All right, in this video, let's talk about a very complex story and what it could mean in terms of James Joyce's life. All right, welcome to the Codex Cantina. I am Una. I am the scriptless crypto. When it, where's the Irish accent? You had an Irish accent last time. I was kind of looking forward to that. Oh, one. yes, because we're doing James Joyce. I'm doing the Irish accent. I forgot. <laughs> Happy St. Patrick's Day. Oh, okay, now we're getting a little too stereotypical. <laughs> Published in September 10th of 1904 in the Irish Homestead. The story was later edited and republished in 1914 in Dubliners. Today we are talking about Eveline. Sweet Eveline. Da, 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 da. <laughs> you can read for free. We're going to put a link to the entire Dubliners collection at the Project Gutenberg site. Feel free to read along. Now for this story, all right, structurally... When we look at Dubliners, we have a lot of vignettes of a lot of different people's lives. I think this is the third story in a row where we're going through the failed hero's journeys. <laughs> we had the, an encounter. We just did Arby last month, and this month we're doing uh, Eveline. But this time it's kind of interesting because we have the question of should I stay or should I go, where we just recently did a story very similar to this. You should have sung that. <laughs> if I go, there will be trouble. So this is very close to the fall of Edward Barnard. But I think we have a very different view here where the fall of Edward Bernard through surrogates of the decision, we kind of learn why a character chose to go or stay. Now in this story, we are in the mind and in the turmoil of this character, this 19-year-old Eveline Hill's thoughts. And that leads to a very interesting technique that James Joyce does here. Mr. Crypto, are you familiar with the term free and direct speech? From a literary standpoint, no. So this is where it kind of flips back and forth between a first person and a third person perspective. And there's no clear indication or chapter break. It just kind of flips back and forth. And what that does is that leads to a lot of chaos and it leads to a lot of questioning as to how much you can kind of trust the narrator at that point in time. Okay, I did, I did pick up on that as I was reading through the story. I was like, wait a minute, who's talking now? And I was a little bit confused as it went through. And the only time it was clear cut was when she was talking. Yeah, and I think that'll throw a lot of readers, but I think it's kind of interesting what it does for the story in terms of kind of questioning who do you believe. So, all right, so let's go to the plot. So, Eveline sits in her house and is tired and smells dust. What an interesting opening, right? Very, <laughs> I don't know, dank? <laughs> is that the right <laughs> word? <laughs> she recalls where the field used to be and how she used to play there as a child, but now it is a bright, shiny new red homes. Her mom was alive then, and her dad wasn't so bad either. Her friends have now left or died. <laughs> Much like how she's preparing to move on herself. Wow, this is very uplifting so far. Keep going. I'm I'm very intrigued. I'm, I'm pretty sure you guys are super excited now. I don't want to throw myself off a cliff. Eveline's mother, to make things a little bit happier, dies, and she's left in charge of her two brothers, and her dad becomes abusive. <laughs> Bad to worse. Awesome. <laughs> oh, well, but hey, soon we meet a nice sailor boy named Frank, and he's going to whisk her away to Buenos Aires and live a very happy life, right? Yeah, no. And she doesn't go. Yeah. <laughs> End story. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you give all of this bleak dreariness, and then it's like, and she doesn't go. <laughs> nope, not happening. <laughs> yeah. But this is, once again, a story that is about the character, and this is really specifically about Eveline. When we look at the other characters, we really don't know their philosophies. We really don't even know their priorities. We know their actions. It's just through Eveline, and you kind of shift in and out of her perspective and then kind of looking and almost judging her perspective, which makes it kind of confusing, and I think a lot of people might have some 
issues interpreting that. But what that does allow is a lot of different answers and interpretations for this. So let's walk through maybe a couple that we have. I don't know where you are on this one, Crypto, but I've got a couple that I can kind of talk about. Yeah, here. I just want to add real quick before you get into there that I think that this allows you to go through the wave of roller coaster emotions, although we painted it very, very dark and bleak. I think that this allows you to experience what she's going through with her, with that writing style. Someone said once that understanding Joyce is understanding society, and it's really hard to understand society, so... <laughs> well, I think he had a unique view on it, right? I mean, because he moved around a lot, and he was a very religious man, if I think, right? To a point, and then yeah. he had a kind of a break, a uh, falling out, and uh, he's quoted as someone said, when did you fall out with the Catholic Church? And he said, I don't know, ask them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was, his fallout was before the story. And the story was written in 1903, and in January 1903, we would find our man Joyce in Paris, where he was studying, and he basically got a telegram that his mom was not doing well, he needs to come home immediately. So he left Paris to come back to Dublin. And like you said, he'd been in and out of Dublin a couple times. And uh, coming back, his mom passed away that, that summer, basically. And that's when, over the next year, that's when he met his future wife. And eventually he'd move away again. But he kind of came back to Dublin, wrote the story, published it. And Dubliners is his very cantankerous love letter about the push-pull relationship, I think, that he has with the city. Right, what you know. I mean, I, and I think that he does it very, very well in writing his emotional roller coaster with his mom and his marriage and his relationship with the church. And you can see that expressed in, I think, the last story, and you can see it expressed even more so in this story. Last story, you mean Arby. Arby. All right. Um, now, do you know what the Celtic Revival is? The Celtic Revival is this movement in the 19th and 20th century back to the Celtic views and traditions. This is probably best known for the literary revival of Irish stories and the Irish storytelling um, style. And we best see this represented in a few different authors before Joyce. Yep. And what, what James Joyce's specific view on this was that the past was kind of oppressive and he looked to the future more. He, he thought that he was writing for the future. If you will. So he's kind of taking those ideas, I think modernizing them, personalizing on them, and then putting them in these stories. Yeah, and I, I feel like, I don't know if he's doing this on purpose. He's a very intentional writer. And there's a lot of different ways to interpret this piece, but I can't help but this push-pull feel of Dublin back home, the, the Celtic revival of looking to the future, like elements of this just seem to kind of come out and i know there's been some criticisms on joyce in this regard but this story specifically with eveline if we look at this every time something changes eveline's life sucks more <laughs> right <laughs> yeah. in the beginning right we had the field where she remembered her friends when when her friends all moved away and they built this town what was the result she was she experiences loneliness loss her friend Tizzy Dunn was dead and others moved away, right? Yeah. With her mother that got cancer. Losing your mother, first of all, is, is a sad thing, but that, that seemed so definitional for this family, right? The, the one brother also passed away. Was it Ernest? Ernesto, something like that. The other brother yeah. is constantly gone, sending money back home. The dad starts to become more abusive. And here's Eveline that's made a promise to continue to take care of this falling apart, destructive 
negative thing in her life, basically, right? I think that the mom is the, the, the matriarch of the family here is the rock of the family. And when she passes, she passes on that responsibility to Eveline, I think. And that ultimately is what I, I think causes her to say, I can't abandon my family and I'm going to give up my own identity. I'm going to give up my own love and my own future to continue what my mom would have wanted. Let's dig a little bit deeper on that because what would she be leaving, right? You've got her father. Abusive. He's, he's abusive and he's got that interesting line, the um, damn Italians coming over here. What do you think that meant? At this time period in history, I think when he's writing, a lot of the world is becoming very anti-Italian. I think that's coming out in, in Joyce's writing and that Italians were moving around all over the place in the world uh, to the U.S. and to Ireland and other places in Europe and yada, yada, yada. And I think that uh, it's showing kind of that anti-immigration sentiment, I think. Well, and what did the Italians bring, right? One, I mean, there's war. I guess that's the obvious answer, right? But if you think about yeah. their art, and there was mention to a lot of the the uh, art in the building earlier, and we think about the Celtic revival, about how that was becoming more popular. But then also you can, another thing that's synonymous with Italy is Vatican it's City. Church, yeah. So Catholicism was, was huge in, in Ireland, and in the Italians bringing it to Ireland, essentially. And who did James Joyce have a falling out with? The church. The church. So I think we have a very complex situation with the father as well. And he's kind of the mouthpiece for, for a little bit of kind of, I feel like, some of some internal feelings and, and struggle in Joyce's life here. I don't, I don't think it's meant to be autobiographical or that he represents Joyce, but I think we're starting to see some of those sentiments come out in the story, right? Yeah, I would like to know maybe a little bit more about the relationship that Joyce had with his father. I worry that might be a biographical fallacy. Like, I, I'm, I'm just not sure, right? Like, let's let's just leave it at we're not sure at this point. Yeah, I don't know. So, I, I mean, it, it, it could help us. It could be nothing. So, what about Frank? What did Frank bring to Eveline's life? Hope. Hope because her life would change. Yeah, change and now, hope. Now, what did she smell in the opening chapters? The, the dust. And does dust sit on things that are constantly changing or does dust sit on things that remain the same yeah so constant constant and she even said where is all this dust coming from (laughs) (laughs) so okay i think at a surface level i think most people would interpret this oh well frank's gonna be her savior he's gonna take her away to buenos aires she'll get away from the abusive dad from the the vampiric relationship of all of her money being given away and she'll be relieved of these responsibilities and maybe the family can move on i think is is the surface level thing that you'd think going into this right well you're hoping for it i mean many readers want the happy ending and they think that she's gonna get this with her prince charming right he's the prince she's the princess she's in the tower he's coming to rescue her but every time change happens in her life her life gets worse yeah And where do they have to cross to get to Buenos Aires? They have to go across the sea. The sea is a constant representation of unknown chaos in literature, right? She would have to change. Yeah, it it would be a monumental change for her. And it's right when she's about to leave. There's this quote that life of commonplace sacrifices closing in final craziness. She trembled as she heard again her mother's voice saying constantly, with foolish insistence, Derevon 
Saron. Derivon, Saron. She stood up in a sudden impulse of terror. Escape! She must escape! Frank would save her. He would give her life, perhaps love, too. But she wanted to live. Why should she be unhappy? She had a right to happiness. Frank would take her in his arms, fold her in his arms. He would save her. Now, where does where does this... How does this line hit you in the, in the context of the story, Crypto? I think it's the idea that you can't hurt if you never love. Right? So if she falls in mm-hmm. love, she has a kid, and this is changed for her. She She's going to be burying a kid, and she can't do that. Uh, or he's going to break her heart, or something's going to happen, he's going to die, and she's going to be alone, no abusive father, no brother, no money, no nothing, in the new world, uh, a foreigner, you know, that looks different, talks different, and she can't deal with that, that that the change is not a positive for her. Her reasons for wanting to go with him are completely selfish. He would save her. Frank would take her in his arms, and fold her in his arms. This is, this is not a mutual relationship from her perspective he's he's the escape button to her yeah she's providing nothing in the relationship well and then he's, the, the she's le- getting everything and he's getting nothing i mean he's getting a broken woman in her eyes she's she, i think she's looking at herself as very negative and then the last line her eyes gave him no sign of love or farewell or recognition so at this point in time, I feel like we're jumping out to the third person away from the first person from like the, the free direct speech approach. And now we're getting more reliable information that she's not looking at him with actual passion. This this was all a means to an end. For yeah, him. I like that. Yes, 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 yes. But when we go back to that quote, she freezes. She stood up in a sudden impulse of terror. Why? And I can't help but think that this has to deal... It hits her when she's thinking of her mom, but she made that promise to her mom that she would do everything in her power to take care of the family. I, I think it's that she ha- she realized what she would have to do, and she would have to be fake. Because I think that you get the realization that she's not being honest with herself, and she's not being honest with Frank, obviously, either. Well, she's, she's certainly not being honest honest with the audience, Right, and that's why it's yeah. really hard to kind of trust her at this point in time. Yeah, we're deceived until like the very, very end of the story that it's it's that old idea of you know uh, that she's going to be saved, but what does she have to give up to be saved? She's a gold digger. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but there there are, there are some interesting theories out there about how he was going to trade her into the, like the sex slave industry. I <laughs> I don't buy into those. I'm just trying to go off of what I see in this text, and from what I can see, every time something changes for her, it gets worse. So how did she finally get stability? And that was by just not changing things. Hence, all the dust in the air. Where did all this dust come from? So by not going with Frank and just living on life following the promise of of her mother and also right before she was supposed to leave with frank she prayed to god right and via the sweat of her brow is she the one that's going to be able to provide food which is a very biblical and religious way of looking at it too 
and I almost take it as as this is James Joyce's also internal struggle of to stay or to go, his love of Dublin, but the, the desire to do other things, and his falling out with the church. I'm not saying it's biographical, but you feel these contrasting feelings being injected into Eveline at this point in time. Yeah. Right? The last thing I would say is that I feel like this is ultimately a cautionary tale that when you finally risk something, it is that risk versus reward mentality that you may be giving up something or you may have to be selfish in something. And that's a lot of things. There's a good life lesson there in that and that she chose family and consistency over risk and reward. Yeah, I would drop the word family out of that. I don't even know if she chose family. She chose she chose for things to not change. She chose to not rock the boat. And that goes back to our fall of Edward Bernard talk, right? Should you stay or should you just keep things the way they are? Yeah, and one chose and one did not. So structurally, I really like the story. I know it's like three failed hero's journeys right in a row in this book and... <laughs> I guess I've never really read this book critically until now, so <laughs> we'll see if we'll see if maybe the next one we can do can maybe not be the hero's journey failure and then see if <laughs> see how that one goes. But overall, in terms of ratings, what are you going to give this one, Crypto? I'm going to give this a solid eight. Bing. I'm gonna. No, I like I like this one because it it has that raw ending that is a gut punch because you don't expect it the whole time all these terrible things are happening to this poor girl you think because it's from her perspective of oh poor me and you think that frank's gonna save her and they're gonna whisk off to a happily ever after and then you get the realization and you're like oh don't you know someone like that doesn't everybody know someone that's like they had a moment where you're like yeah go do that and then they chose the safe option and you're like what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, and that's that, and I think I like that because that's not me and my wife. I'm gonna go with a solid seven out of ten. Okay, you're a little bit more poo poo pants on it. I'm a that's little fair. bit more poo poo pants on this one, but that's okay. We still love Eveline. I just don't know if I love Eveline right after reading Arby's sandwiches. <laughs> she is not the delicious horsey sauce <laughs> that you crave. <laughs> All right, guys. If you enjoy literature discussions, please consider subscribing. We upload two to three times a week. We love doing Joyce. You're going to see some more Joyce from us here in the future. Una out. Peace out.